and uh, we're going to say this word. This is actually from Isaiah 50, verse 4. I uh, discovered this, and I started praying it for my own life. I need it bad. <laughs> okay? <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Notice, open my ears. You can have ears and really don't understand what God's saying. I need to understand. Because as soon as you understand it, the Bible says, then you will position yourself for, to receive from God. But until then, you may not be able to do that. I titled this message, God's Unyielding Love. God's unyielding love. You know, God loves you. If we can't say that enough, God loves you. And somebody said, well, Pastor, you don't understand. If you know what I did last night, you wouldn't say that. Well, I'm going to say it to you again. God loves you. Maybe you had something uh, with your wife as you drove to church and you had a little argument or whatever. And so you said, well, Pastor, you can't say that. I almost cursed my wife out this morning. Well, let me tell you, God loves you. You know, David understood the love of God. I pray that we will. That's why the Bible says it was a man after God's heart. He knew God's nature. He knew God well. And so God himself decided this man understands who God is. You know, David, in the Old Testament, usually you have a priest or you are a prophet or you're king. David was both a king and a prophet because he knew God. He knew God's ways and he knew God loved him so much. He knew that. God's love is relentless. God's love for us, when God zeroes in on something, he can't change himself. God is love. Nothing can make him change. No matter what's going on, no matter what's been done, you can't change him because he is love. And he loves. And David knew this. You know, in Psalm 139, verse 5, and I'm going to read through 12 long verses. He says, you have held me behind and before. And your hand you have laid upon me. In other words, the love of God is in front of him and behind him. And God's hand is laid upon him. Let me tell you. When God lays his hand on you, you can't say your hand is heavy. Let me push it off. It's not going to work. Those are eternal. That's an eternal hand on your life. And there's a reason for that. And we're coming to that. He said, God, you have laid your hand upon me. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. The knowledge, the understanding of why God loves you so much 
in spite of everything, you can't get it. You can never get it on this side of heaven. You, we can never understand it. And David says, I don't understand it. He's too high for me as a man. All we have to do is enjoy it because he's there for us. As long as you are in this flesh, his love abides. No matter what. Now, if you die, that's a different case. You are no longer in the flesh. God, and we're coming to that, why that's so important. God, David said, where can I go from your spirit? God's spirit is God, and God is love. Where can I go? You might as well say, where can I go from love? He chases after me. There's nowhere I can hide. He's after me for good. That's why his hand is upon you. He's after me. Where can I go from your spirit? He's saying to God, not because God wants to get him. He says, I can never get away from you. Your love is always there, overwhelming me, always there for me, protecting me. Listen, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, that's a good thing. That's God's there. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. That's where God is. That's easy. If I make my bed in hell, even if I decide I'm going to start doing crazy stuff away from God, don't want God anymore, he's still there. He is love. He is still there. That's what David is saying. Always with you. Relentless. Unyielding. Chasing after you. No matter what. After your life. And then why? To make life better for you. To make life a little easier for you. Give you understanding about life. Showing you that he cares. Because if it's close, the enemy is far from you. Amen. And so you want to keep him close. He says, if I take the winds of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part, the uttermost part of the sea, just so far from God, even there, guess what the hand is on? You remember the hand on me? He's laid his hand on me. Even then, your hand shall lead me. He leads me, what? In the paths of righteousness. For what? Not for your sake. For his name's sake. Because you are called by his name. When you are blessed and God's glory is upon your life, he's glorified for his name's sake. So he has his hand upon you. He has you from front and back. You can't get away. He has his hand on you to guide you and to lead you in the right path to go. And then his strong arm, he's holding you up. That's what is the right hand of his righteousness. He's holding you up. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Surely, maybe you have done something wrong. Something is going to, evil is coming on me. And God says, even the darkness, he's light for God. It knows no, makes no difference for him. And he, he's light. I've often said, 
There is never a battle between light and darkness. Light always wins. Amen? Once you turn on the light, darkness is gone. That's the love of God. Let me ask you a question here. How relentless, just to tell you, how relentless the love of God is for mankind. If you think about what happened in the garden, God had created the whole universe. Right? The angels and every being, none of them were created in his image. The angels were not. None of them were created to have God's nature except man. Creation is the product of love. We are because of love. God created us that way. Now, listen. If you go to the Garden of Eden, God himself planted the garden for them. Can you imagine that? They stand, Adam standing around and God planting. That's love. And I can see the Father putting everything together so beautifully for his man, the one that looked like him. And you know the scriptures. God always coming back with all the business, whatever, in heaven, in cooling in of the evening to, to talk to his man. There was no one in the universe that he could converse with. God doesn't converse with angels. He tells them what to do. But God converses with man. Talks to us. Like family members. And really, we are family members. Now listen. They, They destroyed all of that. In their sin. And we've been there too. We've destroyed everything that God put in our life that was good. One just for lust. And desires that are not right. Hurting ourselves and hurting everybody else. And they destroyed everything. Everything was going to change. Because they did what God said for them not to do. And then God came down and and Adam was hiding. And they had uh, on themselves... Uh, a, a leafy suit. Okay? Suit made out of leaves to cover themselves. Leafy suit, they call it. <laughs> to cover themselves. And God probably come and say, What's that silly stuff you have on yourself there? Okay? I just know. But God came on looking again for his man to have conversations. There was no other being in the universe that he could converse with. You know, let me show you something. How do you ask if you are trying to work on something, a project, and you've done it to a part and it's not working, guess what you do? You trash it, you throw it, you start all over. That's not the way God did it. His love is Relentless. Unyielding. He wouldn't give up. You know, you read in Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. He says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made 
tunics of skin and clothed them. He said, what's that silly leafy suit you got on there? Get, let's get rid of it. But think about what has happened. Now God, after he came down, it, they changed everything. The, the earth was not going to be the same. The universe, the Bible says, the whole creation, Romans chapter 8, says the whole creation groans and waits because the sin of Adam changed everything in the universe. You would have expected God to be so upset. Of course, what he did was he cursed the devil that started this stuff and then talked to the woman and then talked to the man. He accused them, generally for men, your guys are not good. I'm going to scrap everything. He has the power. I'm starting over. That's not what he did. And then after he had finished talking to them, he was about to leave. And then he said, oh, look at that leafy suit. He took time and clothed them. He spent time again. They were ashamed. And, and, and they had that. But he wasn't covering their shame. The leafy suit wouldn't cover their shame. They were trying on their own. But it takes God and God alone. And God did something. It's like God, before he left, Satan's still present. It's like oh, he's going to throw them away and everything is going to be over. And God kind of clothed them in a way to tell the devil, I'll be back. Okay? I'm coming back. I'm coming back for them. That's why I call it unyielding love. I'm coming back. Just I know it. I'm coming back. I know because of their actions, there's going to be heartaches on the earth. I know because of their actions, sin, addictions, and all of that will be in the hearts of people. I know that they'll have filthy garments around them. They will hurt, but I will be back. I will heal them from their sickness and disease. I will take sin away from their life. I will be back. Love unyielding to defend mankind. The Bible tells us in 1 John verse 4, verse 8, He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. If you have known God, you now know love. Once you get to know God, you know love. You know in the scriptures, it's not like I know you. We're talking about intimacy. You now, when you know God, you know love. And this is what it says in the scriptures. In this, verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested to us. How did God manifest his love to us? In just one, this one way. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is the sum of it. If we will understand God manifested love by becoming a man. God manifested his love by becoming a man. 
and com to come into our world. Now, if you read in the scripture, Jesus came into our world, I believe, for something. I think he gave them some, something to wear to clothe themselves from an animal. He was going to do better than that. What they needed for their clothing was not animal skin. They needed the righteousness of God. That's what they needed. And there's no way they can get it unless a righteous one perishes for their sins. And they can be brought back to their original place of fellowship with God where they can talk to God. You know, it's a lot in scripture. Jesus said, you are, did he not say in the scripture? And he said, God said, you are God's not capital God, small letter, God. God's talking to his people. God sees his people as little gods. If you want to argue, argue with scripture. I didn't say that. <laughs> Jesus said that. Okay, but he sees them because he can make conversation with us. But we have to be cleansed. He came to give us that when Jesus came into the world. You know, if you read in First Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16. It says, great is the mystery of godliness. So what that means is, great is the mystery of the nature of God himself. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. So when, we saw, when you see the man Jesus, you're looking at God himself. There are no two gods, just one God. Jesus was God. He took on flesh. That was God demonstrating his relentless love for us. He came down from heaven to look for us. And Jesus was clear. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so if you don't know Jesus, believe me, God's still looking for you. God wants you in his family. This is a great family. Angels can't even sit with him to eat. Amen. But men can sit with God at the table. Just like the disciples sat down with Jesus. And he's serving them. That's the privilege the gospel has brought to us. So we can sit with God. You remember Psalm 23? He prepares a table before me. That's God preparing a table before you in the presence of the enemy. Satan, the devil, devils, and the angels all standing around and you sitting right there with God enjoying a good meal. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to taste from what's on that table one day. Amen. That's love. For us, the only thing that was preventing that communication was sin. And Jesus came to take that away. That's why I believe no matter how strong the addiction, if you want to be free, talk to him. He for you. I experienced this. He for you. It's love. Once you say yes, 
<laughs> that power. You know, I used to work with people that had demons, okay? And in those days, I used to, those demons would talk to me. And they said, shut up. Just get out of them. You know, and, and the demons, they, they would twist, you know, the first thing, make them move. And sometimes they are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, why would this demon leave? Get out. I got the power to get you out. Then I realized I needed to tell the person that was secret, tell him to leave me. I, that's, it was a secret God gave me. It was so good. I didn't have to struggle anymore. Amen. Now come out in Jesus' name. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out. I said, we had it in Nigeria. One of our former pastors here, he was casting. He said, Pastor Goodluck, I can't, I can't get him out. He won't go. So I came, sat by the woman, and I said, uh, Lady, tell him to leave me. And she said, I said, say it after me. You mean it? Yes. Leave. And she said, after that, he has no right to be there. Somebody comes into your home, and you don't want them in, kick them out, right? If they're renting from you, and they've been a bad tenant, give them quick notice. Get out. And they know the law. You remember they tell Jesus, have you come to destroy us before the time? These are spiritual principles. They assert their rights. <laughs> but you know your rights. So once the person says, I don't want the person, this demon, I say, hey, he just said, or she said, we don't want you. Now out. And guess what? They're out. If you say yes to God, instantly, he comes in. That's relentless love. That's why Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. So for some of us, we've been keeping him out for 30 years. And that's not good. But the day you say with your mouth and you mean it in your heart, God, I need you here. He comes in with all his glory and all his power. And everything that's not good begins to wither away. You know, I say Jesus cursed the tree, right? Did he wither away that same day? No. Yes. Once he comes in, even though you may still be feeling the symptoms, I call them false symptoms, right? Even though the tree was saying, uh, when Jesus walked back that same evening, I'm still green, I'm still green. You're going to die. Amen. By the next day, it was over. Yes, God will destroy that thing in your life. You know, Romans chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 1. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Because what the law could not do, because it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, he condemned sin in the flesh so you can be free. That's what it is. His love is relentless. And if you believe and you accept him, instantly he condemns it. You know what you need to do? Condemn it also. If when you condemn it also, that sin is dead. There, are, there, there is no addiction that is too strong for Jesus. You just have to want to be free. 
because his love wants to free. Now, Jesus came into the world from the time of Adam. We've been doing all we, can, all we could just to clothe ourselves, to make ourselves feel good. We struggle with all these things, but it's not working for us. You know how I know? I've been there too, okay? We struggle. We have a garment that was in, from God. And, and, and in, some, in uh, Isaiah 50, 61 and Luke chapter 4, Jesus declared. And he actually said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes, before your sight. In Isaiah 61, the scripture that Jesus was quoting, this is what it said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. You see, preaching can change lives. Amen? Yes, sir. The Word of God. Every time you hear the Word of God, something in you changes. I've experienced that. I remember in those days, uh, living my idol worship, I went to, uh, what do you call it, a, what they call crusade, Christian crusade. It was a word for me then, didn't know what that meant. But I went to crusade. And I saw the man of God condemning voodoo doctors. He says, they are filthy. They are deceivers. And I was familiar with voodoo doctors' power. And I said to myself, they're going to kill you, man. They will kill you. I know these voodoo doctors, they got power. And, and they're going to kill you. Why don't you preach your gospel and leave them alone? I was insane. You know, I went back the next day to be sure he was still alive. If the voodoo doctors got in him. And then I get there, and this guy in his suit. Now, back then, the, 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 the witch doctors or voodoo doctors... They, are, they wear filthy stuff. And when they show up, we, we, we slide away from them. <laughs> Don't want to go near them. But this guy, he's well-dressed. And he's speaking against voodoo doctors and saying they steal your money, they have no power. And they go, Jesus' power, superpower. And devil's power, no power. It was the Nigerians are helping me too. That's wonderful. No power. And, and, and then I said, really? We'll see what happens to you tomorrow. And I'm back. He's up there with a big smile. And he's doing exactly the same thing. I said, maybe these voodoo doctors can hear him. So every night I was back. Wondering, is this thing really real? You know, God was changing my heart. I didn't know that. I had no clue that God was transforming my life. His love had gotten to me. God had changed my life. It is several years ago. Please don't be nosy. I won't tell you how long it is. <laughs> I'm still very young, okay? <laughs> don't laugh at me. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's been decades. That's good enough for you guys, okay? Decades. He's kept me in his love. And I want to abide in his love. Listen, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Maybe your heart's been broken. And guess what? He thought by it. He knew exactly who did it and how you feel today. And how it's affecting your life today. Some of us have not been able to get away from that thing that happened to us in the past. But Jesus came to make you well. Not just to heal physical disease. He wants to make you well. If you've been abused when you were young or even as an adult, physical, sexual, verbal, whatever abuse, it hurts. It destroys the spirit. And then you are no longer whole. Jesus wants to heal you today. All you need to do, come out to the prayer partners. They'll pray for you. You say, yes, God, I want to be healed. That's all it takes. Once you say yes, he comes in. And the work begins. <laughs> and tell me, you know what scripture says? When God begins something, he finishes it. For you, you may think he's taking long. No. A day to God is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. When God, I'm, I'm going to finish this, it's instantly done. But you have to yield to him. He's able to do that. The brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Today, the Bible says, is the accepted time. This is the acceptable year. The day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. This is the part. To give them what? Beauty for ashes. It says, that's nice. Oh, God means every word of it. If you feel like your life is gone, God wants to restore. You know, from dust, he created man. God will take those ashes, put them together, breathe on it, and you become a living soul. Naming all kinds of things for your good, for your life. The goodness of your life. He says to give them beautiful ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of what? Heaviness. That's another clause. The garment of praise. Put on those beautiful garments. God wants to give you. In, in Eden... All God did was animal skin, right? Here, you have a garment no one can see. Amen? But it's the garment you just can't help yourself. Just like we did this morning in praise and worship, he said, praise the Lord. And if somebody says, what is he doing? He says, I didn't come here for you. I came for him. It's not your business, okay? It's his business. That's what it is. And we did that today because the Bible says, let me tell you this before I close. You can't worship God without your body. Right? You need your body to worship God. Some of us are too gentle the way we worship God. Go worship, go to 
the king of Saudi Arabia and stand like that, <laughs> greeting him, they won't like you very much. Right? They want you to do, yeah, to do this. But the king, we worship. You can use your body. You can bow. You can kneel. Right? It's still your body, right? You can kneel. You can raise your hand. Sometimes uh, people just, uh uh-oh, on their face. Thank you, Tojo. You just go on your face like the angels, right? Wow. I'm too dignified for that. I went to college. I'm not going to do that. Why they lie down on the floor in the church saying they're worshiping God? Why can't they just worship him like this? We worship him with everything. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God gives us that joy. And the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? How many want the joy of the Lord this morning? And give. Amen. How many want the joy of the Lord this morning? How many want Jesus in your heart today? You want him? Say, I want him bad, bad. I really want him. I want him. I want him. He hears. Amen. He hears us. He hears us. Would you stand with me this morning? (coughs) No, I'm not destroying it. Thank you very much. I do remember years ago how difficult it was me because I didn't, I didn't, I was in my situation. I felt I was too bad. I can't be a Christian. I can't stop all this stuff that I was doing. There's no way. That's my life. But I gave my life to him in spite of that. I hoped and begged him, please help me to change. Change my language. Change the things I like. Because I knew I liked those things. And they were bad and I knew that. I asked him for help. He helped me. You see, he is here today and wants to help you. If you will say yes, I pray that you do it today. There was a scripture that I heard, I read when I was in in, in those days when I received Christ that made me know I don't have to wait. He says in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1, he says, Remember the Lord your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil day draw near where you have no when you have no pleasure. In other words, if you reject him, reject or fail to do it today, it gets a little bit harder. God says it in Ecclesiastes twelve verse one, as if just making a statement of truth. That's the way we are built. If you don't receive him today, it's gonna be harder for you tomorrow. What that means, when you exit this earth, you may not get to be with the Father forever and ever. I told myself, I don't want to spend my eternity with Satan. That's not a good thing. I want to spend eternity with God. And with Jesus, 
who gave his life for me. Not looking at anybody. I gave my life to Christ when very many people in my home didn't want that. My family. At this stage, I had to move from home to go and rent a place because they didn't want it. But I knew there was a God and I didn't want to go to hell. I needed Jesus. He loved me and I needed to be with him. Bow your heads with me today. If you're here this morning, maybe you made a commitment to God, but you're not walking in it. He knows it. Today, God can change that if you will say yes to God. I want to pray with you this morning. I want God to reach out his hand and strengthen you this morning because you said yes. If two shall agree concerning anything, that's you and I agreeing before God to change your situation, to change your life. You're declaring, I'm going to serve God. God will give you the power to serve him. God will. Today, even right now. At the count of three, if you want to rededicate your life to God, to fully follow the Lord Jesus, to be a disciple, at the count of three, I need you to raise your hand. God will see it, and I will see it, and we will agree in prayer. If you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to, then you should do the same. I'm going to pray with you, and God says he will answer. At the count of three, please don't look to man. It's between you and your God. Quickly raise your hand. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand there. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands back there. Thank you so much. Thank you. God's here with us today. God's here. And I've, from the beginning of the service, I've all, I felt if you're sick in the body, or if, even if it's an emotional sickness, depression, Whatever it is, come out later and be with our prayer partners. They're going to pray with you. I know God's here and God will heal you. Would you all pray with me this morning? And uh, especially those that lifted up their hands. You know he's here, he's there with you. He's so close to you. You may not see him, but he's right there with you. Talk to him. He gave you the power of imagination. See him standing right before you and talk to him from your heart. Repeating these words that I present to you as you speak to him. Say with me, every one of us. In the name of Jesus, say with me. Lord God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world for my sake. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I receive you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I confess with my mouth that you have you are risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I ask that you come and make your home in my life. In my heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together for the Lord today? If you did that, I have no concern 
whether or not he heard you. I know he heard you. And he received you as a child. He had been waiting for you all this time. All I ask, first, uh, where's Doug? Back here. Doug will be back there in uh, kindness room if you go towards the fellowship hall. If you raise your hand and you really mean business, see, that's how God does his thing. He's watching you to see what you will do. Act on his word. Please go back there. Doug has a few words for you and share with you. You'll receive this book. Please read the book and uh, attend church as much as you can. We're not saying every time the church doors open, you, you have to be here. But there's got to be something taking you away. Jesus did that every time he was in the synagogue. Every day, every Sabbath day, he, was, he made sure he was in his father's house. Okay? Let's bow our heads and pray again, thanking God for what he's done. Father, we thank you. And we bless you, O oh Lord, for what you've done today. We give you praise. And I thank you for these that have accepted you as your Lord and Savior. Thank you for these that have rededicated their lives. Lord, put your words in dog's mouth as he speaks to them today to encourage them in their new walk with God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you pray our partners, please come up?